Today, all over the world, there are thousands of Sino-Soviet intelligence agents with money to burn, looking for unsuspecting targets for exploitation among members of our forces. Welcome to the only podcast out there that's talking about the Democratic debates. I'm your host, Matt. I think we're probably one of millions of podcasts talking about the debates. At least 100,000. Before before we get crack open these two fresh debates, um, I, I finally, I was thinking about today and I was like, you know, what is the Leave the Left to Us podcast? Um, I'll tell you what it isn't. Um, we're not financed by <clears throat> billionaires. Um, we don't make hundreds of thousands of dollars off Patreon. We don't have any patrons. So, you know, if you're expecting some high-level, um, overproduced, uh, well-thought-out podcast, you're you're in the wrong place. Exactly. We're off the cuff. Mm-hmm. We're letting loose. We're a little bit goofy. Yeah. Um, and if you like the term neoliberal. And you're a big Bernie supporter, then I think you, uh, you know, you can call this home. Yeah, you you can just go ahead and just kick off your shoes, you know, sit by the fire, crack open your copy of the Communist Manifesto, and be be sipping on your rum and coke and clanking it loudly on the mics, you know. And well, then, it's good praxis. Yeah, it is, definitely. Um, you know, and just just enjoy, like you know, when we're just talking. We're just kind of BSing, you know, talking off the cuff. You know, it's not, um, it's not, we're not writing a fucking book over here. We didn't do like any research yeah. for this. That's the main point we want to make. Yeah, no, no research. It's literally we just, just, honestly, I'm sorry, but we don't have the time. Yeah. We really don't. I mean, we're both in school, we both have jobs. Yeah. You know, we're not solely funded by a podcast. So those 100 uh, Red Scare listeners that, happen to listen to the, the the first episode if you're still listening because of reddit <laughs> yeah if you're still listening um you know we're just we're, we're a couple dumbasses doing a podcast so. i'm not gonna lie the most excited i've been in the past six months was when cole told us that we made it to the red scare <laughs> subreddit bro now we just need to make it to the come town and chapa subreddit we're working made. on it hey we're have angel and nagel on the podcast be oh my like, god that'd be amazing be like listen we know you're busy in new york or ireland or wherever you're residing now but please tell us why um liberals are dumb and uh fascists won please just random thought really off topic but i want to get your opinion on this so you know there's that stereotype of like i mean it's true but about how the rest of the world's like American politics, like it's so messed up. You guys are so backwards, like it's terrible. Look at Donald Trump. And then you see what's happening in England and you're just like, wow, okay, you're one to talk. Yeah. Because the English political system is just as screwed. Well, I think like the, one of the biggest problems is that the American system has been messed up for so long and we don't actually have any parties that kind of. We, we have, like, no true left or true right parties, which, I mean, we have... I mean, we have... We have true right. We do I have... Mean, we, we have true right people who are, like, public figures, but we don't have necessarily, like a, a, like, a party that is running their candidate for presidency or running it for Senate who is, like, you know, 
the whatever super party. far right yeah but like even the the farthest left we have is you know social democrats bernie he's about as far left as you have as far as mainstream politics yeah. i mean you have the democratic socialist party but um but even the DSA, that that they don't run that right they don't yeah even that it's not like uh it's not like the the workers party in uh yeah you know the uk which is like actually like pretty much mm-hmm. communist you know we're we are like the democratic socialists are exactly that. I want to look into it. Like, how did we arrive at a two-party system? Because we used to have. I, I wish Cole was here for this because he could probably tell us. But yeah, um, you know, we had other parties in the past. What what was it like that defining moment that just shut it down? I can't remember right off the cuff, but I know that there was a. Certain, I bet it was Clinton. There was no. It was a suit. No, it was way far. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. it was like the Whigs and the something, and like we had a couple of different. Um, parties and then eventually it was just like they they kind of bamboozled people into going to these two parties I, i'm not 100 percent sure i mean there was a rise of social the socialist party in the in the 1920s and then that got shut down real quick well yeah because like we the you know when america entered world war ii we had this huge surge of patriotism and and um you know we eventually like we're basically talking about american superiority and um we still are kind of yeah and and the thing is like we were like back then americans were promised well i say we like my family wasn't even in america at that time but um you know they were promised americans were promised um you know jobs that would be able mm-hmm. to they could work a job for you know they could put in their 30 40 years and they could retire and they could afford like an entire family, like a nuclear family, off of that. Yeah, one like you could have job. a single working parent, and that would support you know twelve kids yeah. and the wife who was staying at home with the twelve kids. Yeah, so I think that kind of that promise definitely like kind of put a damper on it. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that it was working out for white middle class America, it was working out. Yeah, and then it just stopped because like as we've proven time and time again. You know, capitalism is ultimately going to fail. So let's dive into debate one. So, Matt, oh yeah, we're talking about the Democratic debates today, folks. Yeah, uh, we're almost past due. I think we're on the cusp of too late to talk about it, but yeah. we're right on the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Matt, you didn't watch the first debate, so I'll just quickly run through my notes, mm-hmm. and then you can uh, chime in anytime you want. So, okay. I'm not going to go into the full list of candidates. I think that's kind of boring. I just want to talk about the candidates that I feel like mattered or had an impact. So, uh, first of all, there's been a lot of talk about how bad Beto did. You probably heard about it. Yeah, I saw the Kubert poster. He he was trash. I don't want to spend too much time talking about him, but the forced incorrect Spanish. Yeah, me llamo es Beto. Yo, yo, yo soy Beto. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um Trump is muy mal. He had a he had a really bad night. Um, someone who I expected to do way better was Tulsi Gabbard. A lot of people said she won that debate. I don't agree. She was silent most of the time, and she kind of got overshadowed. She got that clap back from, or she she clapped back against what's his name though. Well, the thing is, so the the standout candidate. Well, Warren won the debate. If we're going to give it a winner, Warren won. She yeah. did what she had to do. She went in and knocked out the, the lightweights. Uh, the, the two candidates that surprised me the most were Cory Booker and Julian Castro. Mm-hmm. Julian, I, I could see myself voting for him if he got to that point. 
Um, he just re- he really impressed me, and I liked what he had to say. And the thing is, Tulsi Gabbard, or the thing about Corey is Tulsi Gabbard was talking about you know the uh, the skeletons in her closet surrounding the LGBTQ community. Yes. Uh, so she addressed that, which she sh- probably should have. You know, it was good that she did. But then I forget if it was Julian or Corey, but one of them chimed in and said, "And don't forget about trans rights or something, something like that." And it was like, "Wow, okay, this this guy gets it." So those were the two standouts. Gabbard kind of fell to the back, but still, out of all of them, Warren's the only one who would do Medicare for all. Yeah. So it's like, uh, do I her really? And- De Blasio were the only two that raised their hand that first night. Bill De Blasio from New yeah. York, the mayor of New York. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I don't. But he's not going to get elected. Yeah, I would never, I would never elect a mayor of New York as president, honestly. But the thing about it is, like, you know, um, the only thing that I've seen from the first debate was Tulsi Gabbard's clapback, and it was pretty good. Like, clapback against um, I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Cory Booker, someone. He, they, they were saying that um, they were talking about like being in Yemen and being like you know um, oh yeah that um, and protecting U.S. foreign interests essentially and they were saying that like we need to protect and we need to stay in like, oh yeah there was so it wasn't any of the mainstream candidates I think it was um, who was it maybe it was Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan was it could have been a him. black hole like he should not have been on that stage. And uh, I believe it was Tim Ryan. He brought up, well, the reason why we have this, as much as he would love to pull out of uh, Iran and Afghanistan and the Middle East, we just have to stay there. His rationale was, I served on the Foreign Affairs Committee during George Bush's reign. Yeah. And so I saw firsthand the reason why we need to stay in the Middle East. And it's like, bruh, you were brainwashed into this agenda. Well, and now you're just regurgitating the past... Also, years. what Tulsi said, though, was, and she was right about this, she said that, one, he said, Taliban attacked oh, us yeah, during yeah, 9-11, yeah. which it, she said, and she rightfully was like, no, it was Al-Qaeda, like, it wasn't Taliban, two different things, man. And then the other thing that she happened to say was, and, you know, she was saying, like, obviously it's wrong, but she said that she was a soldier and she signed up and fought, so she understands, like, why they don't need to be there, Um why we don't need to be there. I think she was saying the right things. Yeah, so I think that that's the only thing I saw. I saw that, and then when I saw the Medicare for All, I saw the only two people that raised their hands were Elizabeth Warren and Bill de Blasio. Yeah, I mean, those are the main takeaways from the first debate. The the problem with these debates is, and we kind of knew this was going to happen, there's way too many candidates. You can't have a reasonable discussion. Uh, people are constantly butting in. The crowd's awful. The moderators are asking terrible questions. So there's a lot of actually confusion about, uh, like, this happened uh, at least once, maybe twice, where uh, Chuck Todd asked a question about who would get rid, abolish their private insurance for Medicare for All. Mm. And, like, Kamala Harris raised her hand, but then later she said she misunderstood the question and she wouldn't. So it's yeah. very awkward. Um, I didn't realize. So this is debate one, but it's debate one of twelve. There's going to be eleven more debates. So it's like, how much weight do we put on these? I just am ready for the 
you know, if you're pulling at point oh one percent, get off the stage, drop out, do something. Yeah. Else, please. Unless you're like, unless you're funny and or interesting, like, and and say actually say like interesting yeah. stuff like like Marianne, Marianne Williamson, yeah. yeah, or Mike Gravel, right? So the Gravel teens. That was the biggest take. I mean, not biggest takeaway. That was one of the things that I found refreshing about the second debate, which you did watch. Yes. Was Marianne Williamson, while she's not polling great. Uh, she had actually a unique take because I feel like we can get into this. De- we'll definitely get into this more about it's like uh, it's harder for Bernie to stand out now because so many people are because they're all they're pretending. All, yeah, they're all basically like wearing his platform as camouflage, and that was the thing. Like when they asked the Medicare for all, right? Most of the Democratic candidates at one point in time have said we would endorse like some some type of medicare for all right they keep private insurance yeah but the thing about it is when push came to shove and they asked that question and you know like the actual like praxis of Mm -hmm. that question would you would you abolish your own health insurance for medicare for all and it was very telling that four people out of the 20 that were on that stage Raise their hand. And one of them did it by accident. And one of them did it by accident, and the other's probably just bullshitting. And Joe Biden kind of gave a little, like, wave. That was so freaking weird. Yeah, and so, like, you know, um, I don't even think Kamala did it by accident. I think she knew exactly what the question meant, and I think she did it on purpose. Because who, how many people watched the debate, and how many people watched the after interview? Yeah, no, I had to find it on Twitter, like, in a random Because she's a fucking tweet. cop. But anyway, like, the thing about it is, like... Um, you know that just says everything, right? Like that's where the that's the fucking bare minimum. That's the barrier for entry, and three fucking people did it. Two people who I, whom I said I would vote for, and then another person whom I wouldn't vote for, yeah. and who I didn't even know was running. Honestly, I mean, I don't think either of our minds were changed by the first two debates. I think it's still very clear. Uh, you know, we're fully Bernie or bust. Yeah. But if Warren's our auxiliary candidate, then we'll. We'll be okay with that, and we'll be able to sleep at night. Well, let's talk about why, though, like necessarily so, the second debate. Okay. So the first thing that I want to say, because I have very strong opinions of this. One, you said earlier the moderators were shit, and that's 100% accurate. Um, Rachel Maddow is a fucking snake in the grass. She's just a diehard liberal, right? So is Chuck Todd. Yeah. But the thing about it is, the reason I say her, why well, I'm singling out her in particular, is because... Um, when asked about Biden's busing policies, right, Biden straight up lied, just outright lied. He said, no, I wasn't, you know, I was pro-civil rights movement. I, you know, I wasn't against, you know, um, desegregating the buses. And, and Kamala, Kamala Harris was the one that called him out on the stage, right? When they got to Bernie and they asked him, about him talking, him saying that he would not ban assault weapons, right? When talking about his like previous history uh, with um, with weapons, right? With yeah, Second I Amendment. remember that moment. Well, the thing about it is, he said that's not true. They mischaracterized me in that interview, and she said it's your quote. Like she 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 called him out on a quote that he did. Which is like basically inconsequential. Which I, my my buddy at work, he even said like I've realized how much the media lies to me because he said I was at a speech. He went to go meet um Jimmy Carter, 
and there was a reporter there at Jimmy Carter's church, and he said that he was listening to him speak. And he said, uh, Jimmy Carter said, though I do not like Trump and I do not agree with him, something, I can't remember the final part. And my buddy said he looked on, it was a reporter from the Washington Post, and the Washington Post posts this uh, article, and it's like, Jimmy Carter agrees with Trump, endorses Trump. And it's like, he said he read the article. He's like, it was flat out lies. He said that's not they mischaracterized what he said, and and um, that's you know that's obviously you know Bernie. There's multiple videos and and Bernie's campaign posted this on Twitter that time. There's multiple videos of him saying like, I don't endorse this. Yeah, it's it's it definitely sh- they they show their cards. I mean, uh, I was watching this clip on my way home from work today about Chuck Todd interviewing the. A spokesperson for the left, who's actually like a corporate Democrat, yeah, um, basically saying that the reason why Bernie's stale is because his message hasn't changed in four years. And it's like, bro, his message hasn't changed in forty years. Well, the reason his message is stale is because he's the only one, um, and I cannot take credit for this idea. This came from Red Scare, but he is the only person who actually cares about people, and that's why he's running for president. All the other people are running for president for their own ego. He didn't even. He wanted Warren to run in 2016, but she wouldn't, and so he had to run. Um, and he was. It seemed like he was running just for the exposure to get those ideas out there, and then finally realized, "Oh, yeah, I can win this." Mm-hmm. Um, let me look at my notes really quick. So, biggest disappointment, uh, at least for me. Yeah, uh, you can give yours after I get mine. Uh, and uh, Andrew Yang. The, the Yang gang did not show up uh, during that debate. He had, <clears throat> they asked him he had like, less. I think he had the least amount of time. He did. Um, and he's, an again, kind of like Marianne Williamson. He's so different that I would have liked them to give, like, freaking um, Hinkenlooper. Like, Hinkenlooper got more time yeah. than Andrew Yang. And Hinkenlooper has nothing new to say. Swalwell is like, bro, get off the stage. Like, Swalwell, what are you doing, man? Swalwell is like, I called him the. He's like that character from Parks and Rec, the where they're like, oh, we're, you're you're helping this congressman out or the senator out, and he like sits at his desk and just stares at a blank wall. They think he's watching TV, but he's like emotionless. And they like knock on the door, and he's like, come in. And they open the door, and they look, and it's just like a blank wall. That's what he reminds he me truly of. Truly, like is a, a character, a fucking automaton, like yeah. Um, but I, I read recently, um, and it was actually Marianne that tweeted this out um, with her orb energy. She said that they actually turned her mic off several times. Yeah, I heard that. And so one of the things about Yang that I was noticing was like Yang wasn't speaking up. Like Kristen Gillibrand just kept interrupting every five God. fucking seconds. She says something that pissed me off. And the thing about it is like she just kept interrupting everybody and, and talking and like to to the detriment of their of their time, I think Yang was just waiting for questions and he got two questions and Marianne got like one question to where she had to like finally open up and, and you know talk. And I think one of the things my least favorite part of the debate is that Bernie truly is um, you know a person who is so earnest, especially on a debate stage that I think that it's hard to 
I think it's really hard for him to be up there on the debate stage, like to see him, because his ideas outshine everybody. And when he talks about them, you realize that you realize how full of shit everyone else is. But the problem is, he is so truthful that it like it's very like they can throw him like a curveball. Basically, they can like throw him a curveball question, like the one where they said, um, "What about like you know uh, Medicare?" for all is going to raise taxes and he kind of dodged around it. But then at the very end, he said, yes, it will raise taxes. Whereas any other politician were, were to lie. Like they would definitely lie about that. And they'd say, Oh no, like it's fine. We'll find funding elsewhere or whatever. Yeah, I think he was, uh, I think he should have been more direct, but I get what he was doing in that. Oh no, he, he was, was explaining yeah. the reason that yes, it's going to raise taxes, mm-hmm. but the cost is going to go down. So he's saving people money and it's this idea, I don't understand why there's so many simpletons out there who can't understand that your taxes are going to go up, but the benefits are going to outweigh the cost. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's a very simple equation, but well, it just goes over Rachel Maddow's head, I guess. There, well, yesterday I was talking to um, a friend of the family who is a Trump supporter, right? Like a diehard Republican, uh, basically. And she was saying, like, she was like, yeah, I hate that I have to go to the hospital. Like, I hate that, you know, I can't go to the hospital. Like, I, have, I, I avoid going to the hospital because it costs $500. A lot of people do. And she said that, she said, one, Bernie can't beat Trump. And she said, two, Bernie won't change anything. And uh, like, wait, what? Yes. Are you for real? And and she's she's just a Trumper, right? Like, she's just straight up, like, Trump or bust. And, and she's one of those people that any Republican candidate... She'd, she'd be all for. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. These people have these idea, like ideas in their head. And they think it's, you know, um, they say, I hate paying for doctor visits. And I hate, like, I'll, I'll just go be sick or whatever. Mm. But um, I'm not paying for everyone else's medicine either. Which is so, such a, like, it's such a selfish American oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. It's very American. Yeah. And that's the idea. Uh, I was telling... I was telling somebody, because we were talking about, um, you know, healthcare. It's like, so the the common refrain is that I don't want to, like, help somebody else out off of my, like, hard-earned money. Yeah. And it's like, first of all, if you're a Christian, that is, like, biblical. You are supposed to, like, give your wealth away and help other people who need Oh, this help. person's an uber-Christian, too. And so... so that alone should be reason enough for people to want to help other people. And Bernie is the one candidate who's going out of his way to do that. Yeah. Um, but two, like, t- taking religion aside, that's just being a decent human being. Like, if you have <clears throat> the means to survive, there are plenty of people who don't have what you have. And it's not that they're trying to steal it. They probably they don't want charity. They de- most people don't want charity. They just want to survive. And well, th- the least the government could do is is give them that. Yeah, and they they hate. Uh, sorry to go off on a tangent, but go for it. But those types of people hate stealing. Like people below them stealing, but they're fine with people above them stealing, which doesn't make any yeah. sense because like when I explain it to somebody, they say, "Well, you don't have to work for somebody." It's like, okay, well, you die. Like what is it's the illusion of choice, right? Like mm-hmm. the illusion is literally like I go and I can either work for this neoliberal company and, you know, have them 
take my wage labor, like take my value and just use that as profit for their CEOs and for the, their shareholders. Or, you know, like I could die. Like, cause I can't yeah. go out and farm anymore. Like you got to have a fucking permit for that. Like, I guess I could be a homeless person, but like homeless people die, you know, it's, it's, it's literally that. And then I was told, like, I, I explained to somebody yesterday that I was a communist and they were like, Whoa, wait, what? And they, they thought I was a Democrat and I was like, no, I'm a communist. Yeah. And they said, wait, why? And like, Oh, a communist, like human nature, like humans are selfish and, and all, all the tried and true mm you know, um, capitalist brainwashing tactics. But the thing is like they, the, the empathy isn't there because like one person understood, like he, he started understanding what I was saying, but he's so, he was so set in like his ways that he couldn't get past that. Couldn't get past the whole like communist versus capitalism thing. Yeah. That's definitely just an American dilemma. Like we have to break through that wall. Um, the thing that I really uh, that really resonated with me was the the idea that you know we're fine with uh, people above us stealing from us, but not people below us. Yeah. Um, and because the people above us worked for their money, even though they did. Yeah, didn't. and it's this um, somebody I heard compared it to like the strict father paradigm, where um, you know. It might be good for you. It might be best for you to get this, like, get health care or get a living wage. But, you know, you didn't spend your whole life working for this, so you don't deserve it. And you're going to learn the hard way. Yeah. And that's just such a selfish, terrible way to mm-hmm. live and to think. And Well, those types of people think that everyone, they think that humanity is, is naturally selfish because they're naturally selfish, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the thing. Like, they could be very... They could be very, um, you know, giving and loving and stuff, but like at at the end of the day, they are the people who, you know, like like they they thought they honestly thought because I was talking about Jeff Bezos, right? Um, you know, the patron saint of the pod, um, and everyone was saying like, oh, like she kept saying like, oh, you just want his money, and I'm I told Wait, her I said what? Yeah, she said so you do, so you want Jeff Bezos' money, like, and I said I t- looked at her. Like the third time she said, I kind of said it sharply. I was like, I know I do not want his money. I want everybody to live like in the world to live basically like, and we have the means to do this. Everyone to live like a middle class life. Like everyone can. We have the means. At to least do. not in the in poverty. Yeah, every we can have bare minimum. Yeah, we can have what we need, and it'll be fine. You know, but they they just thought I wanted to be rich, which is, you know. Silly, like if you if you spend five minutes talking with Matt, you know that's that's not what he's about. Yeah. So, um, sorry, sorry for the derailment of the pod. Thank you. That's something that happened in your life, and I think a lot of people experience that, especially if they do hold, you know, like socialist beliefs. Mm -hmm. They get attacked because, like, oh, you're just trying to steal. That's a common refrain, like you said. Just. Everybody says that, and that ties in perfectly. Gillibrand during the the second debate, <laughs> her comment, and th- this is why I would never vote for her, because she said, uh, "Capitalism the isn't the problem; it's greed, and we, what we need is healthy capitalism." Yeah, and it's like that's such a misguided view of the world. Uh, you know, capitalism. 
if if capitalism is what you want, then you've got to accept greed. Like you don't. You can't separate the two. There it's inherently inherent. is going to be greed involved. Yeah. And so the idea that you can somehow distill it down to just good capitalism, mm-hmm. like you're just fooling yourself and trying to fool other people. You're being very dishonest. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm fine if you're a capitalist, but don't say greed isn't involved because that's just like academically and it's just... Uh, Intellectually dishonest. Intellectually dishonest, yeah. And yeah. so when she said that, I just wrote her off. Like I tuned basically anything else she said yeah. away. Um, I want to talk about Kamala. So she came away as the person who gained the most from the first debate. Yeah, definitely. But let's talk about... I think she actually gained a couple points in the polls too. Oh, I agree. Um no, she did. I'm, I'm saying she did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's not an opinion. I concur. We're talking about logic and facts. Yeah, I concur. I think Kamala Harris was uh, very she did wonderful. Very well. <laughs> uh, no, so, Matt, explain to the listeners, if, they're, if they watched the debate and were Kamala fans, uh, why they shouldn't vote for her, despite her uh, showing. So... One of the things that I really liked was the great theatrical performance by Kamala Harris. And I actually, I did actually like this, where she called Joe Biden out on his shit. And she's talking about... Oh, that was excellent. Yeah, and she said, I'm, you know, um, one of the little girls that had to ride separate buses because of your policies, right? And there's a meme afterwards that sums it up perfectly. And it says, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and there's a handshake emoji. And it said, disenfranchising black people. Right, because that's true. Like, both Biden and Kamala have hurt the African American community like irreparably. Because Kamala introduced when she she loves to say that she was the uh, the the Attorney General of uh, California, right? She loves to say that. And the thing is, while she was there, she introduced a law called the Truancy Law, and the Truancy Law was, um, she said, oh. Well, we have a, a truancy problem. So what I'm going to do is if you miss, you have to ha- have to go to school so many days a year. And if you miss it, we're going to lock up your parents. And this disproportionately affected, spoiler alert, wait for it, here it is, single black mothers. Because when they're working, right, because society has fucked them out of their lot in life, right, and they're working and their kids feel like their recourse is to skip school or do whatever you know kids are going to be kids right like there are going to be people who skip school right and they're going to skip a lot of school but when your recourse is to instead of like saying we need to help the kids or we need to like educate them create a better education system yeah create a better education system you're creating criminals by locking up single mothers and that was a thing like on the stage when everyone like I kept saying every time they were like, oh, Trump's, you know, evil for keeping kids in cages, right? And separating them from the parents. Which, I was like, he is. Yeah, he is. I was like, what about Biden and what about Kamala? They both have done that because Biden was Obama's crony when he was locking up kids in the same detention facilities that no one talked about, right? And, and Kamala, ICE was deporting people under Obama. And Kamala was the person that was taking single mothers away from their children because their children didn't go to school enough. Yeah, uh, it was... It, it was... 
interesting to watch. She did extremely well in the debate. She though. did very well. Like you can't take that away from her. She but she's did, a fucking she cop, so like it. you know for a fact that she was going to go in there, and she she was an attorney, right? So she, mm-hmm. you know that she was going to go in there and like be better, like pretty good yeah, at arguing. She was a lawyer. Yeah, that was her job is to be good, like in debates. Right to be like a public speaker, just like speak through your ass, essentially. Um, we we mentioned her briefly, Marianne Williamson. She was a standout in the debate because, one, her message was different than any others. She was funny, and I actually loved it. She was a little loony about the whole New Zealand. She was high. She smoked a fat one before she went on stage. Maybe took a couple of shots. Yeah. Chased it down with some Mountain Dew. Took a couple of Zannies before going on there. Some perks. You know, whatever you're into these days. Some Quaaludes. Oh hell she's, yes. she's the only person on the face of this planet that still has quaaludes and she's just like bet we're gonna we're gonna roll with the debates today. Oh, and they're like straight off the press from nineteen eighty. Yeah. <laughs> she kept them fresh. Using um, energy. Her message she surprisingly I found myself like going Yas Queen oh, yeah. more than I felt myself cringing because she was calling them on their shit. And oh, yeah. people gave her crap on Twitter about saying her, her line. And it was probably my favorite line she said. She said, you think that these plans and this debate is going to beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't win with plans. Yes. That was like, holy crap. Marianne Williamson, like, she gets She knows. It. Yeah. She that- understands. And so on that stage... I was like, man, if we had a vote today <laughs> and Bernie announced that Marianne Williamson was his VP, instant vote just right there. I mean, I'm going to vote for Bernie regardless, Yeah. but I was cheering on Marianne Williamson because I was like, here's a person who understands the fundamentals. And she, she again, I she, think she said it a second time. She was the only person that talked about foreign policy. She and she even called them out on mm-hmm. she said I didn't hear anybody talking about foreign policy or Latin America. Yep, and Latin America. She was the only one that was talking about those two very hot button issues and and she was spot on too. Yeah, and um you know that's the thing like she she was explaining like and and I thought her closing statements was actually oh it was like incredible. Excellent. It was because excellent. she she said that Trump's weapon is hate, right? Mm-hmm. Which spot the lie. And she's going to meet him on the battlefield with love, which is corny. Yes, it's very corny. But at the same time, she's not wrong that Trump didn't win by policies. He's yeah. not a policy wonk like Warren. He doesn't like. He doesn't like have the praxis of Bernie. He's got this. He galvanized this base, and if anybody could, like, honestly, like I didn't think I'd ever say this because she's not very popular among people, but like I think Marianne might if she could like campaign more and be more out there, I think she might be able to beat Trump because she's this she's this sexy lady. Like she's like sixty something and she's just like real drop dead gorgeous lady who talks about love and how we should all love each other and our energy and our chakras and all this stuff, right? She got my chakra line. Yeah, and she just like she understands she like doesn't she she sees the bigger problem but she doesn't necessarily like have the 
she doesn't have the solution that like like other people like Bernie or, or you know like like communists have right where it's like we need to abolish capitalism. She understands the core problem, but she doesn't like understand that it's a materialist solution. Yes, so she's not she's not a strong candidate. She could never win just because she's so out there. Yeah, but you know that's what I took away was wow, she gets it. She understands the issues. She understands the fundamental part about why Trump run and I think that's the biggest slight against the Democratic Party is even after the election and we're entering year three now Trump or year two I can't remember it's been a minute three uh year three uh, it's like they didn't learn their lesson you saw them wheeling out Joe Biden you know and it's like did you do I have to teach you another lesson old man yeah it's just they still don't Peace. understand that Trump didn't win on aesthetics. He said, God bless our troops in his final speech, which was like, about, about Biden. Biden, I was like, what the fuck? Is and this then like 2001. And let me tell you something, not just Biden, Buttigieg. Oh my God. Oh my God. He cringed. sounded like a Republican. I cringed every time he opened his mouth. He sounded like a Republican when he was up there. He was like, uh, yeah, like we, you know, like when they said mayor, Mayor Pete, right? Like your your town had was notorious for like not having a lot of African American cops, and like the you know, and he's Civil like, well, rest and yeah. racial, and he was uh, like, well, we can't get you know African American cops because unfortunately a police chief shot a fucking black kid, and then uh, the automaton Swalwell, I think it was, like when they fucking clicked him when the puppet masters behind the scene were like pulling his strings he was like pete you're the mayor of the town shouldn't you fire that police chief it was like yeah he's right like you do have control of that like and that's what i said like when when they came out i was kind of like doing my little jabs at each person i was like yeah joe biden's like the same as trump and like kamala harris like locked up black people and like pete uh, you know, hose down homeless people in his town. And it's just like, and tore down uh, their houses too. Um, you know, and you look at the, a lot of the candidates and you're like, oh my God, like why, what? It's trash. Yeah. Surface and then, level, it seems passable. Yeah. But you just peel back that first layer and it's like, it's gross, man. Can we, I, I want to talk about, we're going to like jump all over yeah, the place in this it. thing, but I want to talk about, so we talked about Marianne, right? Mm. I loved her closing statement as well. It was excellent, yeah. Right, the um, and the Red Scare girls talked about this as as well. They're like, if she, she's honestly the one person that could kind of fuck with Trump's weird psyche, oh dude, because she like, would get in his head. Because like, Trump doesn't care about women; he mm-hmm. cares about hot women. And like, Marianne's hot, and but she's also like, like seductive, Mister President. If you're listening, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, 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 that was so crazy. I was like, she's just straight up. She's like, she's fucking Trump's world. He's like, what is happening? Right. Cause you know, she knows he's listening. She's right? the one candidate. I like where this is going. I like the point you have. So she knows that that is like his weakness. Right. And she's just going, she's literally going straight for the balls. Right. With Trump. But the thing about like her closing statements, great. And then Bernie's. Right, Bernie didn't do that well during the debate. I, I have to admit, my mm-hmm. boy. No, yeah, we can all agree because he that like like I said or like we said earlier, he practices what he preaches, and he he just has his message. He said, "This is my message. 
This is how I'm going to help. You know, he's not like a policy wonk, kind of like Warren, but he's like, this is like set in stone. My policy is how I'm going to help. And like, this is what I'm going to do, and this is why I need to do it, right? And so when, when other people are clapping back, when Kamala and Biden are clapping back, and when they're kind of lying through their teeth, Bernie's telling the truth to his detriment, right? Which I don't think it's to his yeah, detriment. No, but it's not. But to the public image detriment. Playing on media. But when he got up there and said his like final remarks, you know, the he's talking about the, the big pharma. He's talking about insurance. He's talking about college. He's talking about, you know, immigration. He's talking about... Like all these different things, it's it was like a drop the mic moment. I was like Bernie's closing statements. Like Marianne's was the best, but Bernie's was like definitely for the for the actual I guess for the actual candidates was the best. So yeah, we talked about why you shouldn't vote for Kamala or Pete, but the reason why you should vote for Bernie and why he stands above the candidates is one they all hijacked his like rhetoric. Yeah. Um. Matter of fact. They're there. all wolves in sheep's clothing. And you know, he's been saying the same message for 40 years. And the reason why it's the same message is because nothing's changed for 40 years. And he's the one candidate who genuinely, you know, believes in what he's saying. Warren, as progressive as she is, this is not the same quality. And so, you know, you can say, well... And it is because she's a woman. We That's need exactly- a woman. We need a woman in the White House. So why would you, Warren, Warren and Bernie are the, sorry, ugh. you hear this refrain over and over, and I've said refrain, this is my third time saying it, um, the same line from Warren stands over and over is, you know, she's the same as Bernie, but she has plans, Yeah. is that one, she doesn't have all the plans, and two, she just hijacked Bernie's platform. I love that. I love her Medicare for all plan where she wants to sit down with insurance oh, it's companies. Excellent. And it's talk excellent. and talk about talk about it with the insurance companies. Because let's not abolish private insurance completely, right? Even though Bernie's like, We need Medicare for all. Yeah. Um, that's the thing, like uh, you know, honestly, like I don't understand this is this is what's funny as well. Um it's interesting that, especially like the discourse that was on the hell side that's known as Twitter, um, all the irony bros started standing Marianne. Like, they're still Bernie bros, right? They're still like super toxic masculinity misogynists or whatever people who are liberals say. Um, but you should have seen the tweets during the. I don't know if you got on Twitter at all during the debates. No, I didn't really. Everyone was talking about Marianne. Like just, it was like, because it's refreshing. Like mm-hmm. I think the, the two most earnest people on that stage were Bernie Sanders and Marianne Williamson. And it, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible that an, a self-help guru author, Oprah's self-help guru. Yeah. Is, is on that stage. Like dishing out truth bombs and you go, Holy shit. She's right. She, she gets like you. You understand that she gets it, and then you have an like a, another candidate named Bern, like Bernie, who like people think like can't be Trump or whatever. But he's representing like n- the real change that the American political system needs. Because you know, even if he even if he doesn't have control of the House and Senate, and he can't get any bills passed, at least we had a president with. Democratic socialists in his in his description. That way he can mainstream 
he can get out in the mainstream that it is possible for these ideas to circulate in American politics. What Bernie stands for is almost more important than what he's going to do. Because, you know, where where's the path forward for America? We're going to, I'm going to get a little dark here, you know, we're going to enter into some pretty unknown territory, uh, specifically with climate change, because that's like the big thing on my mind. And, and people talk about it being this existential threat. But the thing is, it's not, you know, it's the same, it's the same way where it's like, you know, the people in the dystopia don't know they're living in dystopia. Mm-hmm. The people in the apocalypse don't really know it's the apocalypse. And so, you know, climate change, it's not something that's going to happen all at once. It's already been happening. Yeah. We're like, it's not like it's going to happen. It's happening now. Uh And it's something that's going to create global conflicts. Uh, It's going to create economic uncertainty, Mm going to increase scarcity. And things are going to be bad if we don't handle this in the right way. And I think... Bernie, while Mitch McConnell might stonewall him his entire four years or eight, um, he represents a path forward. He represents the change Obama promised. Yeah, actual. Um, He is the son that was chosen. (laughs) And so that's why I think we we really need Bernie. You kind of alluded to this is that. Can I loop back? I want to loop. F- yeah, I want to loop yeah. back around loop to what you said earlier, and and uh, I, this is a point that I've seen made multiple times, and I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you said that the person who's living in a dystopia doesn't realize they're in a in a dystopia, right? Um, that's the thing. Like, it's not going to be Mad Max. Like, it's not going to be Mad Max where we're all out here like fighting for oil and all this stuff. It's going to be like our planet's uninhabitable and only the super rich can inhabit it but also it's not it's not going to be like um we're going to it's not we're just going to accept that all this bad cuz Americans are great at just accepting stuff that's happening to, mm-hmm. to them you know um and and just laying down and allowing it to happen and, and thinking that it it matters and and someone like i said the Trump supporter from from the previous story she was talking about it and she was like well what if um, these companies like Facebook and Twitter and all and Instagram and all this stuff, right? They steal your personal information, and then they like they know like what you're watching, what like even what porn you're watching, and all this stuff, right? And so they can blackmail you into voting for who they want to. And I looked at her and I said, "What if I were to tell you that the future is even more dark, and it's that they don't need to blackmail you because they can buy the elections because that's what they're doing and that's what they've been doing." Yeah. And the, it's it's weird because it, it buys into this like liberal fantasy world where it actually is quantifiable, where it, it is a thing where we will notice it, where we say it will be. It's like a dread, right? Like it's it's like oh man, like this lawless city with like cowboys and gunslingers and like you know we're fighting over oil and we turn into barbarians. And it's like it's not going to be that. It is going to be the ultra the poor dying, regardless of. Your race, religion, ethnicity, sexual orientation, whatever, it's going to be the working class dying and the rich surviving. It's not going to be that dystopian like future that we all see. We, it's just going to be progressively to the point to where poor people can't survive anymore. And we're just going to 
I don't, you know, I honestly don't know if there's going to be a tipping point. That's the thing, you know, in in the apocalyptic story, there's always that tipping point where the people have had enough. But it's like where I don't see that tipping point happening. Yeah, I don't. I think it's so gradual, and I think that's the also why climate change is so unimaginable to us mm-hmm. is because in our minds it's this big cataclysmic event but it's not it's small changes that happen you know you're in a room and the temperature changes just um, like 0.01 degrees over a certain amount of time you won't notice oh my god it's 99 degrees in here now yeah you won't notice it until you start sweating profusely and yeah it's the same way with our political system same way with our atmosphere people who aren't aware or aren't educating themselves just won't know. And they don't know. That's the thing. Like what you said, what if I told you that reality is way worse than you actually think it is? Mm-hmm. And that you the all this is happening now, you just don't realize it. Yeah. And that's not a conspiracy theory. Like that's proven and shown that that's what's happening. Yeah. But who cares? Yeah, because no. that's the thing. Like all, like again, like all these people, they they say that they want something to change. They're fed up. They they follow politics like it's a fucking sports team, and they just root for their team regardless of what happens. And that's the thing. Like when you have a weird, I guess, fringe perspective on it. Like right when when you have you know communists or um, whatever on the spiritualists. Lo- yeah, exactly. Have this weird fringe perspective on it, and you can kind of get down to the nitty gritty and say like wait a minute, like, liberalism is the biggest threat to centrism, liberalism is the biggest threat that we have right now because it's allowing all of this stuff to happen, right? It's it's not the, the it, it's not the fact that we're going out here and it's not the sh- and, and we're not Strasserites for saying this and we're not what and we're, you know we're not Nazi sympathizers for saying this but the, the the truth of the matter is liberals have allowed this to happen it's mainly their fault because conservatives because especially like American conservatives most of them were you probably could outmaneuver them politically but because you're so in love with the status quo and you're focused on electability who can beat trump who's aesthetically pleasing who's aesthetically pleasing who ticks your box right because the thing is like like we said multiple times on our previous podcast and this one um we don't need no more girl bosses we need no bosses like we need no more ceos and that's something that people can recognize as a problem, like Marianne, right? And it's it's refreshing this, and it, that's it's crazy that again a self help guru who actually can recognize the problem and say what the problem is seems smarter than all the career politicians put on that stage, except for Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders is the one politician who's in politics because he wants to help people. Yeah, I mean. That's that pretty much sums up uh, night two of the debate. <laughs> yeah, you know, right there. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the next ones. I'll try to watch as many as I can. Hopefully, hopefully the Gravel teams teens get on the that'd next be one. Pretty, that'd be pretty dope. Again, he like has we, some, he has some stuff to say. Again, like we say, just wheel him up there and just like talk, like put put your arm in him like a puppet and have him talk for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Matt, uh, you know, 
It's getting late. It's almost my bedtime. Yeah. Seven forty-one. Got to get up, plow the fields. The sun's getting real low, Mister President. 